0: Will you help me out? Finish this sentence. Very popular phrase, okay? Practice makes perfect. Oh, you guys are good. All right, so you did it perfectly. Practice makes perfect. You know what it means. I'm not gonna have to teach you what that means. Any skilled person can tell you, like if you you wanna be good at something, you need to do what? Practice it. You need to practice it. I've told before the story about my wrestling coach in high school. He always upped the ante on that phrase. He said, practice doesn't make perfect. Only perfect practice makes perfect. Practice makes permanent, and I was like, "That's profound, Coach." And he w- he was very profound because he would remind us, like, if you practice sloppy, you're going to compete sloppy. And if you want to compete well, you need to practice well and don't go, don't cut corners, don't be slack. Uh, I love this famous quote by the historian Will Durant. He said, "This we are what we repeatedly do. Excellence is not an act, but a habit." So help me, practice makes. And so the goal is practice, practice, practice. Remember that phrase. Last week, we started a, a teaching series called Jumpstart. It's five catalysts for growing your faith. And I, I want to give credit to a preacher down in Georgia named Andy, Andy Stanley, who first kind of coined these, these five catalysts. It's like, I mean, you, you see people in your life who have this extraordinary faith, and you look at them, and no matter what they're going through, they just seem to be fine. God's going to take care of me. And you look looking into your life, and you're like, how, how do you do that? How do you have that level of faith? How can you make it through those hard times of your life and just trust God? It seems crazy, it seems irresponsible, it seems unrealistic, yet time and time again, these people, these these superhuman faith experts, they have it. And so as the people kind of were were surveyed and and Andy Stanley did kind of this, this study, he discovered that in these, a lot of people who have this strong faith, there are these five themes, these five areas of their life that rise to the top. And that if someone can begin to develop one or more of these five areas in their life, their faith will probably grow. And so it's not like a fail-proof model. It's not a golden bullet for growing your faith. But these are five catalysts. And today the goal is to kind of get into the very first one. Like I think of people who have really strong faith and there are some hallmarks of things that set them apart. And one of the, is when they hit a really rough spot in their life, they seem to be able to handle it better. It's simple. It's like a very simple thing. For example, I want to introduce you to Miss Annie. Annie. I think I got a picture over here. This is Miss Annie. Miss Annie lives up in Burgall. Uh, Jeff was just talking about DART ILM, which is the Disaster uh, Assistance Relief Teams of Wilmington. It's an organization that our church helped to co-found along with Cape Fear Christian Church. And uh, we've been up in the white stocking community in Burgall ever since Hurricane Florence, so like about a year and a half. And man, the people that got hit there got hit bad. It's one of the lowest lying spots in Pender County. And they say the water there was maybe 30 feet deep. 30 feet deep. If you're not good at estimating space, let me tell you this. It is over the roof and the chimney of your house. And so people lost everything, including Miss Annie here. But Miss Annie is one of those superstars of faith. And like when I first met her, it was crazy because she lost everything. She's like, you know, living with relatives. Eventually gets into this like, you know, mobile home trailer thing parked next to her house while they're doing work on her house. Uh, And she says things like, God's going to take care of me. It's going to be fine. I'm praying for this. It was awesome, because a couple of weeks ago I got to be at Miss Annie's house, where this picture was taken right here. as she was rewelcomed, she was Dart ILM's first home uh, that was completely rebuilt after being completely flooded, and she got to move back in first. Can we celebrate that? That's awesome. Um, and so there's, there's close to 25 other houses that, that Dart is still working in. It's amazing to see what God's doing through those. But when I look at Miss Annie, I'm like, she's got something that I want to know about. Because I remember listening to her in the welcome into her new home, and she was saying, you know, I always knew God was going to take care of this. And as we walked through her house with so many friends and, and, and family members, and you see a, literally a brand new home that had been completely covered in water and that I had personally seen stripped down to the dirt floor, I go, what is it in a lady like this that I can learn from? And I can tell you this, one of the catalysts for growing our faith is learning to take what we hear God say and put it into practice. What I want to do this morning is to take a look at the very first uh, of our five catalysts and find some evidence for it and some, and some really the biblical background for it in the book of Matthew. Okay, so if you've got a Bible today, go ahead and grab a Bible. Turn to Matthew. We'll be in chapter 7. We always give away free Bibles if you don't have one. Uh, you can get one now or get one before you leave today. They'll be on a gray shelf right by the door as you exit. Um, but Matthew chapter 7, let me give you some context, okay? So here's what's going on in Matthew chapter 7. I'm going to put Matthew chapter 7 right here on the stage. Okay, and we're going to back up two chapters. Six Five. Matthew chapters uh, uh, five, six, and seven are what are known as the Sermon on the Mount, okay? This is Jesus's, uh, it's like his opus sermon. This is the, a collection of some of Jesus's uh, most pivotal teachings. And so if you read through the Sermon on the Mount, you really get a good picture of what Jesus wants from our lives, okay, and so it goes through all of that, and when you get to chapter 7, Jesus is about to wrap up this huge, this huge sermon, this huge uh, series of teachings, and this is what we get from him. This is in Matthew chapter 7. We're going to start in verse 24, so uh, scroll on down to verse 24, and this is what Jesus says after that big chunk of teaching. He says, therefore, anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. The rain came down, and the streams rose up, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who builds his house on sand, and the rains came down, and the streams rose up, and the winds blew against the house, and it fell with a great crash. Jesus paints a simple picture here. And he's basically telling a story about these two, you know, kind of fictitious families, these two fictitious people. One wise one, one foolish one. The wise one built his house on like a solid foundation. He calls it the rock. And then the foolish person built their house on a weaker foundation. The sand. This is not rocket science. If you've ever been to the beach and built a sandcastle as the tide was coming in, you know. This is how good construction works. But here's the deal I want us, we get caught up in the details of, of the house and the storm and the sand and the rock. Jesus is not teaching a construction 101 class at his local community college here. Like that, he's not like, okay, and then you want to use this size nails and you want to make sure you get the conduit and make it keep it up to code. Like that's not that's not what Jesus is talking about here. Actually, the jewel of Jesus' teaching about these houses being built is in the very first sentence. And I want to return to it. He says this: He says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Today we're looking at our first catalyst for growth, and this is it. I couldn't find the best thing to call up, but maybe this is it. Practical teaching. When you look at people's lives, like Miss Annie that I introduced you to a minute ago, who have this strong faith, you find this very common. That there was some point in their life that they encountered the word of God They listen to it, and then they put it into practice. I know this isn't like super deep stuff, but isn't it crazy how easy we miss the simple stuff? If you're a parent and you've told your kid, go clean your room, and you come back later and the room is not clean, what do you know they did not do? They didn't listen to you, they didn't put it into practice. Yet when you look at the lives of people whose faith is strong, you find that at some point they encountered the word of God and then they put it into practice. Practice, practice, practice. And there are a lot of different types of teaching you can get from the Bible. Theological teaching and doctrinal teaching and systematic type teaching. And you can do historical teaching and you can look at the Bible as a work of literature. You can do a lot of different things. But the thing that I think that most of us are hungry for is practical teaching. Like, okay, so what? What does this mean for me today? I want to do something with this. I love the definition of the word "practical" that I found on the internet this week. This look at this definition is so great. Practical, adjective, of or concerned with the actual doing or use of something, rather than with theory and ideas. Does anybody rather live in this world than the other one? Like some people are like all in theory land, and uh, like I love to you know talk about deep th- theoretical things, but like I just want to look at it and be like, let's just do it, let's just get it done. And I love that Jesus gives us this teaching because. I'm willing to bet that if you look at all the faithful people in your life that you know of, and maybe you haven't met many. If you haven't, I'm glad you're here, because this room has got a lot of them here. That you look in their lives and you find out, you know what? They looked into the word of God, and they found a place to put it into practice. Now, when Jesus looked at the word of God, which for him would have been the Old Testament, also his own words, because he's God in the flesh. But as he taught God's word... uh, he brought out really practical applications. In fact, if you look back at that set of teachings, remember we set chapter seven over here, chapter five, chapter six, chapter five, uh, you look through those chapters and these are the things Jesus talks about, super practical things. How we treat each other. How do we manage our emotions like anger? He talks about marriage and divorce and morality. He talks about our money he talks about how to pray. He talks about how to manage our fear and our anxiety. Like when you hear Jesus teach, he's talking like the rubber hits the road. This is practical stuff. I can do this in my life. Our faith is meant to be real. It's meant to be tangible. Like that when we believe something, we can actually begin to do something about that. And so according to this verse, there's two big elements of this, uh, this catalyst, hearing and practice. So for the rest of our time this morning, I want to just break those two down. Unpack them. Hearing and practice. First hearing. um, Romans chapter 10 verse 14. The apostle Paul is teaching about what it means for someone to kind of uh, experience the gospel. Like knowing who Jesus is and what that means. And he has this, this thing to say about hearing. In verse 14. He says, how then can they call on the one in whom they've not believed? How can they believe in one in whom they've not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching it to them? I mean it's. It's pretty basic. Like, I mean, how can anybody believe in something that they've never heard about? Hearing is really important. If you've ever been to a drive-through restaurant and like the speaker is one of those like <coughs> soda, French fries, <coughs> burnt onions, <coughs> and you're just like, and you like you sit, you, um, and you pull up to the window, you're like, well, let's play this game. Wonder what we'll get, you know. And you know what's going to happen. They're going to mess up your order. Praise the Lord, I think they finally figured out how to use microphones and speakers at restaurants. I mean, I'm thinking, like, we put a man on the moon, but we can't get a microphone to communicate to a speaker outside. And I think they just recently broke the code on that. Hearing is really important to understanding. And if you can't hear God well, you will not know what he wants you to do. And you will not be able to put into practice the things. Uh, So I want to ask you a question. How often are you hearing The word of God. How often? We need to get in the practice of placing ourselves in environments where we can hear the word of God. Because how can you believe if you've never heard? We often apply that scripture to like people who've never heard about God. But the truth is like we all got to keep believing, right? Which means we all got to keep hearing Here's some practical places that you can place yourself in environments to hear the Word of God. I mean, the first one is maybe obvious, uh, just coming to church every week. That's, that's, a, that's a basic way to hear the Word of God. I'm going to tell you, like, I personally, I'm, I'm, one, I'm the, you know, the primary person who does our teaching here, but we got a handful of people who will preach here and teach here occasionally, you're small group leaders, but... Um, I know I, for one, and the others who, are, who share this stage with me, like we put a lot of energy into digging into the Word of God and saying, let's share the Word of God our, with our church family this week. So come to church every week. That's a big deal. And the question is, are you placing yourself in that environment? Obviously, you're here today. But is it a priority on your calendar? Or is it just like, as long as there's not a ball game with the kids, and as long as we're not traveling, and as long as I, you know, I didn't stay out too late last night, is it a priority? Place yourself in that environment. That's, that's the obvious one, and you're here, so I'm not going to. Talk about that. You made it. Uh, but here's another one. Talking to people who are experiencing the word of God. Like meeting people like Miss Annie. And the word we use for that is their testimony. The word testimony means their witness. Like they, they have heard the word of God. They have seen it in practice. I'm telling you, man, when you take time to ask people their God story, it's, 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 it can be like an awkward transition into a conversation, but it is worth the awkwardness. It's like two seconds of awkward followed by a lifetime of like, whoo, I really respect that person. And so how often are we placing ourselves in the position to hear someone's testimony? Here's a a third one, and this is maybe the most obvious, but the one we miss the most. We need to read our Bible often. Paul uses this phrase. He says, I'm the chief of sinners, and I'm going to borrow it from him. I can be the chief of sinners about skipping my Bible reading time. I can put a lot into my sermon planning time, but there's weeks I'm like, ooh, yeah, I also need to just make sure it's getting in me. And so I'll be the first one to step up and like, guilty, but... If we want to hear the word of God, place ourselves in an environment where we can hear what God is saying, I'm going to tell you, the Bible is a great place to start, and we live in a world where it is more accessible than ever. There are translations in so many languages, and probably you only need one, okay? And you can get it on your phone, and you can have an app. The YouVersion Bible app is probably the best one out, and it will remind you. Be like, hey! You forgot to read your Bible today. There's reading plans. You can do it with friends. There's accountability in that. We gotta place ourselves in environments to hear the Word of God. Let me share you a, a scripture from. There's several I could use. I chose Second Timothy three sixteen and uh, in one of the songs we saw Emily reading that scripture. It says this that all scripture is God breathed, and it's. I love this word, useful. Can you think of another word that sounds like useful? It's practical. God's word is, uh, all scripture is God-breathed, and it's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. And the rest of it says so that the man of God can be prepared for every good work. Like, God gives us his word. We've got to place ourselves in that environment. That's that's another one. One more environment to hear, because remember, it's about hearing and practicing, so we're just trying to place ourselves in the environment. The fourth one is this, and and, and some of you might love this. Some of you might, like, I I don't need this. But the fourth one is this. uh, Bible teaching podcasts. Personally, for me, it's a good one. Uh, we live in a world today where you actually do not have to go to a Bible college or university or uh, get a seminary degree or know like a theologian to get some really great teaching on the Bible because podcasts abound uh, and there 's some really good ones and so um, and they 're not all just preaching like you don 't have to just listen to preachers from all different churches like there 's some really great ones and so they 're available out there If you want to know more, just come ask me google it i mean i was going to make a long list but i got more things i want to say this morning we need to hear the word of god and we need to hear it regularly and he says therefore everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them in the practice it's like someone who builds their house on a rock but i don't want to just move on because i think there's an enemy in this there is an enemy to hearing and the enemy to hearing is noise I love football, particularly NFL football, though I really enjoyed the college championship this year. But in a football team, there's 11 players on the field at all times, okay? But in some stadiums, the crowd noise is so loud that they call the crowd the 12th player because a loud crowd can disrupt a game. The Kansas City Chiefs are still in the playoffs. They may make it to the Super Bowl this year. Check this out. They, they hold the record for the loudest NFL stadium right now their crowd noise checked in at 142 decibels. That probably doesn't mean much to you because you probably don't think about decibels very often. But let me tell you this. That is almost as loud as a flight deck on an aircraft carrier. Some of you are in the Navy and know this. Here's another thing. A- according to uh, an article I read this week, 150 decibels is enough to rupture your eardrums. Okay, if that puts in perspective. This stadium is 142 decibels when they're cheering at their loudest, And I'm gonna tell you, it upsets games. Noise can be disruptive to hearing. And one of my favorite bands, they're they're called Switchfoot. They have a song that's called Adding to the Noise. And in this song, they talk about the concept, like, this world is always yelling at us. Like, everything wants our attention. It's an app. It's a commercial. It's a restaurant. It's somebody. And they want attention, too, because they're a rock band, and they want people to listen to their music. But I love the chorus of their song. They say, if we're just adding to the noise, then turn off this song. If you are not hearing the word of God in your life, there's a good chance, there's because there's too much noise, and it can be disruptive to the process, and maybe what you need to do is turn off some noise. Because if hearing the word of God is conducive to building a strong foundation of faith, then not being in, hearing it is, is gonna destroy that ability to grow. And so making time to read your Bible or come to church or be in a, an accountability group with someone else or in a Bible study or or and if those things impossible, then there's a good chance you probably need to turn something else off. Maybe you need to do less social media, less video games, less sleeping in, or less staying up too late, or less Netflix or Disney Plus or whatever you log into to watch TV. Less something. Turn off the noise so that you can hear the teaching of the Creator. Whoever hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like the wise man who builds his house on a rock. So we we do hearing. Now let's get into practice. Once we've turned off the noise, once we've tuned in and found some frequency where we can get into God, uh, we've got to begin to put it into practice. Practice what? What are we going to practice? Well, we need to practice the things that we hear God telling us. And so, I mean, there, there's, there's a lot. I want to give you some some uh, broad examples. Jesus says this in Matthew chapter six, verse thirty-three. By the way, also in that Sermon on the Mount, he says this is some great teaching. This is some things we can put into practice. He says, "But seek first His kingdom, talking about the kingdom of God. Seek first His kingdom, and His righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well." That means we need to evaluate our life and ask ourselves, "Am I seeking God's kingdom, or am I seeking my own kingdom?" That's practical. Like, evaluation is a very practical thing. You probably do it at work all the time. You do it when it's time to go to the grocery store. Ever call your spouse or someone lives with you and be like, hey, how much milk have we got? Right? That's an evaluation, and we can do that with our own lives, so we need to seek first. That's practical. Here's another practical thing. Romans chapter 12, verse 2, one of my favorite verses. It says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by renewing your mind. We'll just pause there because there is a practical thing there. We need to begin to kind of wash out our brain. Rinse it out like a dirty sponge. If we're continuing to consume and absorb the things of this world, we're going, to get, we're going to soak that up and not be able to soak up what God's going to so Maybe we need to rinse out the things in our life. That's practical. We need to put it into practice. Colossians chapter 3 verse 13 gives us another one, the practical teachings. And Again, these are kind of broad. It says, bearing with one another and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so also you must forgive. There's two practical things right there. First of all, bearing with one another. There's some people that are hard to bear with, am I right? Okay, that's one thing, but that's a, th- that's a practice. Something that's hard to bear, and you're like, okay, I'm gonna put up with you. Patience. But then there's the other half, which is maybe harder, which is forgiving people. Even if they did something wrong to you, that's a thing. Hear the word of God and put it into practice. Now, I'm just throwing these at you like darts, okay? And so that's not very effective. We gotta begin to let God's word seep into us So that means we've got to begin to expose ourselves to it more regularly and then ask ourselves as it comes into our mind, what am I going to do about it? I love this last one. Proverbs chapter 3 teaches us that we should trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding but in all your ways submit to him and he will make your path straight. There's several practical things there, trusting God. Don't just trust yourself, your own understanding. Submit to him, these are all practical things. Again, I told you these are general things, but the Bible zooms in, and it gets into some very specific topics. Almost every, I mean, I would say every important category of our life, the Bible addresses in some way or another. And so the converse is true of this, that the things that we're not, uh, if we ignore God's teaching, We're like the builder who built his house in the sand. Like, let's look at the specific things that God says. He talks about being uh, selfless instead of selfish. If we are uh, selfish instead of, like, humble, I'm going to tell you something. Your faith will be weak. If you are hateful instead of loving, can I talk to the South real quick about racism? It's not just funny. It's not just cute. It's not just heritage. Like, we've got to love people no matter what their background. I'll get off that podium now. I could go on. But we got to love, like really love, give first to no matter what your background is. And and if we don't, our faith will be weak because we're not putting God's word into practice. If you're more concerned with building your own kingdom than building uh, God's kingdom, your faith will be weak. I'll do one last one. This is a more specific one. If you are living an immoral life, Now, that could look different for different ones of us, but like if you're currently and intentionally and maybe stubbornly living in a way that you know is contrary to what God wants you to do, can I just tell you something? Do not expect your faith to grow. It won't. Like you might discover some faith, but it's not going to be like a thriving garden of faith because you're not putting into practice the God, and I'm speaking to myself as much as anybody. Anybody? But we can't deliberately live in opposition to God and be like, God, why aren't you teaching me faith? I just want to trust you more. He's like, just do what I'm asking you to do. I want to clarify. It's not our ability to be perfect at faith that, that saves us or gets us into heaven. God's, God's grace, he looks at us and he knows that we're going to be weak in our faith. His grace saves us because we're willing to turn to him and repent and give our lives to him. But on the other end of it, he also expects us to take responsibility for our lives and responsibility for our actions. God's grace is powerful. But walking in his way and living in the spirit is about making choices. To practice, practice, practice. Here and practice. Faith is important. And let me tell you why. There's two reasons faith is important, at least two that we've discussed so far. Last week we talked about how faith is important because God loves our faith. Like, it, it amazes him. We talked about that last week. But there's a really practical reason why faith is important. I'm going to tell you why. Because life is hard. And sometimes there's nothing else to, to grasp to except for your faith. Some heads are shaking because I'm guessing you've been there. When the wind blows and the rain falls and the streams rise up and beat against our house, we got to have somewhere to turn. I told you about Miss Annie in Burgall earlier I want to tell you another story about her sister, uh, another giant in the faith, as far as I'm concerned. I got to meet Miss Catrilla and her husband, Johnny, uh, early on in the process. I mean, she might have been one of the very first people I met up in this, this crossroads that we've been working in. Uh, I think they're in their 80s, and they, uh, they've had it rough. I mean, one, they're in their 80s, and their house just got destroyed. That's, that's rough. But uh, actually, as you sit down and talk to her, and you get to know the rest of her story, you realize... They also lost everything 20 years earlier when Hurricane Floyd hit. If you lived here, you might remember Hurricane Floyd was a terrible hurricane. It was almost as bad there. But if you talk to her some more, she'll say, yeah, in fact, this is actually the third time we've rebuilt this house. Third time? Yeah, because 20 years before Floyd, that house burned down In fact, you can go through the skeleton of her house right now because it's stripped down to nothing, and you can see the burnt timbers inside her house that tell the story, the the scars of the pain this couple and their family have been through. And I look at that, I'm like, man, she has been through some hard stuff. But when you talk to her, all she wants to do is give glory to God. Who's met Miss Cotrilia? Am I right? All she wants to do is give glory to God. It's incredible, and you're like, ma'am, uh, you get a pass, okay? Like, <laughs> you've had it. How in the world can someone go through all this stuff three times and still on the other end of it? I'm, I'm going to tell you, this is, this is how, because I've known her long enough now that I've met this. It's because she listens hard for the word of God. She places herself in environments where the word of God is being spoken. Their house, their church building was flooded. We prayed for Cape Fear Christian Church, one of the churches we'll be praying for as soon as the one right up there across the street from Ms. Catrulia's house that was underwater. Their church was like, "Well, we got to meet. I mean, we're going to have to get together. This is hard times." And she doesn't skip prayer time. I'm a, I'm I'm going to go out on a limb there and say she doesn't skip prayer time. And <laughs> she doesn't miss the opportunity to hear the word of God. And then she puts it into practice. In the midst of everything, she's like, how can I share? How can I make sure my neighbor has plenty of water or that everybody's eating? She, she prays and she asks for God to send help for herself and to others. She continues to be generous. She is so loving. She's so humble. She seeks to be morally upright. She's putting into practice the things that she hears. And she keeps reading her Bible and she keeps praying and she keeps serving with her church. And now she's in her 80s. <laughs> And because she has seen God over and over and over again supply for her needs at the very worst of times, she's like, it's in his hands. He's got me. And the rains came down and the streams rose up. Actually, it was the Northeast Cape Fear River. And the wind beat against her house, and her house did fall down three times but because her faith was in the rock, her faith did not fall. Faith is a journey, guys, and the newer you are in this journey, the more abstract it can seem. That's why it's so beautiful to have people that go before us. They trailblaze ahead of us, and we can see the wake of their journey, and we can hear the word of God, and then day by day, we can begin to take Little baby steps of faith. God, I trust you. Hear his words. Practice, practice, practice. That's the catalyst of practical teaching. Let's put in some reps this week. And let me pray for us today.